time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life. All right, if you have your Bibles, we're going to jump in. Open up to Philippians 2. Philippians 2. While you're doing that, I just want to, I just want to reiterate some of those announcements. Uh, tonight, we're going to do our last Campus Wars. And so that'll be in the AC. We didn't tell you where that was going to be. That's going to be right when we're done in here, across the, hall, or across the street or whatever that is, uh, in the Activity Center. It's a big, fat Jared Newman game. And so you know that it's going to be awesome. And uh, so you'll want to go be a part of that, even if you're just a spectator, because the participators will at, probably look funny at some point. And so it's always fun to laugh at people. Also, how many, you guys, how many of you guys have a yearbook from last year? Yeah. You guys have a yearbook from last year? How many of you have a yearbook from some point in your life? Do you know what a yearbook is? Have you ever heard of such a thing? All right, here's what you need to do. I need everybody to write on your hand or on your neighbor's forehead or something for next week to bring your yearbook. All right, so just get out a, get out a Sharpie and just write it over your best friend's cheek yearbook and, uh, and that'll be great. And then finally, uh, our, our beloved Burn interns are on their way back from Birmingham. There's a whole group that went to Birmingham to work at a dream center. So they are driving across the country trying to get here as soon as possible so that they can possibly see you. We're proud of them. They did an awesome trip this last week where they just went and served the poor and, and needy. And um, so we're really excited about hearing a lot of their stories. If you... Uh, if you want to apply for Burn, like Austin said, those, those are due tonight. You want to give those, turn those in at the information booth or give them to Daniel Webb. He's our British staff member and uh, he's the one that sounds like he is from Australia. And so you'll want to make sure and do that. Okay. All right. Philippians 2. Are you there? You got your Bible open. You're there. I'm going to start in verse 6. We're still in the series. Jesus is awesome. Everybody say Jesus is awesome. awesome. Say it like you mean it. Jesus Jesus is awesome. Yeah. So Philippians 2 says this. Your attitude, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm in verse 6. I'm starting in verse 6. Just so you know, we're going to stay in Philippians 2 for most of the night. So even if we jump around to other verses, you'll want to stay in Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 6, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This week I want to talk about Jesus, the man. Everybody say, Jesus, the man. man. So Jesus is the man. Yeah. I want to talk about Jesus, the man. Last week we talked about Jesus and and, and that he is God and he is king and how big and awesome he is. And and, and this verse is so interesting as it says that, that Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, humbled himself to become human. Now I want to talk tonight about what that, why Jesus would do that. Why would this Jesus that we talked about, this, this eyes that burn like fire, this, this Jesus that created everything, this Jesus that spits out swords, you know, like he has a cold and swords come out. Why would that Jesus decide to humble himself and, 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 and step out of God and become in human likeness. So I want to talk about that tonight. 
Hebrews 4, Hebrews 4.15. Like I said, you'll want, you'll want to stay in Philippians, but if you want to flip around. Hebrews 4.15 says this. says, we do not have a high priest, meaning Jesus, who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. But we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet was without sin. So God becomes man. Jesus, this awesome, all-consuming, all-powerful God, becomes man and lives perfectly on planet Earth. I want you just to, I, we're, I'm just going to picture, we want, I want to talk through a little bit of what it means that God becomes man. And this Hebrews verse says that we don't have a high priest that cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. That means that, that Jesus and you have a lot of the same experiences. He was tempted in every way, yet did not sin. He can sympathize with you. Let me tell you some things you might not know about Jesus. Did you know that Jesus had a stepfather? Jesus had a stepdad. If you look in Luke's genealogy, I know, I know a lot of you really like to read the genealogies. That's where it says who was the son of whom. And for like 20 verses, you know, you're reading your Bible and it's like, oh, this is so good. And then you get to the genealogy part and you're like, you know, Joseph, the son of, and you're like, oh, that means I can skip half this chapter and really speed this up. So you skip on to the next part and, and you keep going. But if you, if you look at those, and so some of you have probably really researched this out, I'm sure. But, but in Luke, in chapter 3 of Luke, it, it gives Jesus' genealogy. And you know where it starts? It starts with Joseph. Now, the Bible makes it clear that Jesus uh, was conceived by the Holy Spirit. That, that Mary was a virgin when she, when she began to be pregnant with Jesus. And so, uh, so when, when Jesus became man, Joseph was not his biological father. And so Jesus, actually in that time, if, if you were born in that kind of way, he would have been a, the outcast of society. He would have been rejected by most people as not having a, a father. Uh, a popular practice in the day was, it's called infanticide. They would just throw babies away. That would have happened to Jesus. Except for that Joseph decided, he must have decided to adopt Jesus. Because in Luke 3, it goes through Jesus' genealogy, and it starts with Joseph. So Jesus grew up with a, an, a, an adopted dad or a stepdad. Some of you have those, and you might not have known that about Jesus. Jesus had a messed up family. Did you know that? Some of you, I don't know, I don't know what kind of family you come from. But you know when you're talking about your family, like, I'm not going to lie. I have an incredible family, but uh, sometimes the further out in the family tree that you go... Have you ever noticed that the further out you go, the crazier people get? I don't know why our families are normal, but like you start branching out a little bit and people start getting crazy. How many of you guys ever been to a family reunion? That is one, family reunions are the most boring, entertaining times ever. Because you don't want to be there, but you're just watching these people and you're like, these people are crazy. And so you want to be anywhere else than a family reunion. And yet, for some reason, you cannot help but just watch these crazy people that call themselves your cousins. And your aunts and your uncles. And some of the craziest we call grandparents. Or if you possibly have a great, I don't know. Or like, you know, like really far removed second and third cousins. I don't know how that breaks down. When people are like, this is my second cousin, I don't even know what that means. But... Jesus, Jesus had a, had a pretty crazy family too. You might not have known that about Jesus. 
But Jesus was like you. He can sympathize with you. When you have a crazy uncle, Jesus is like, I know, I got you. Jesus, you go through, I'm not, I'm not going to spend all night on the genealogy thing, but if you go through his genealogy, he had murderers. Like Jesus was related to murderers. Uh, these these stories are accounted in the Bible. You can read through it. So there's murderers. There were liars. There were partiers. uh, There were people, drunkards. uh, There were prostitutes. There were, uh, you name it. And Jesus was related to them. He had, you might not have known that, but Jesus had a pretty crazy family. Jesus had to move. How many of you guys have ever moved states? Yeah, you know, you move, and, and that's always lame because it might be exciting. I moved. I, I've kind of upgraded through life, which is always good. I'm, I was born, and my first moments in life were in Idaho. Uh, anybody ever heard of Idaho? Yeah, it's in America. And uh, so I, I, that's, where I, that's where, like, my infancy was. But then I, uh, we moved, and you might not see this as an upgrade, but we moved from Podunk, Idaho, to Oklahoma City. Oklahoma? Yeah, right there. See, so that was a big upgrade in my life. And, uh, and so the, that was nice. But then when I was a junior in high school, I, you know, because at that point I was, like, I was a little kid. And so that was pretty easy. And then when I was a junior, I moved from Oklahoma City to Seattle. That was a massive upgrade. And, uh, and it was weird because I had to make all new friends. So any of you that have moved before, you know what that's like. You know what it's like to move somewhere new move to a new state, have to make new friends. Jesus had to as well. When he was a baby, they, they, he was born in Nazareth, but he had to move, or he was born in Bethlehem, but he had, they, they moved to Egypt. And he grew up in Egypt, and then, he had to, and then they moved back. Jesus had to make new friends. How many of you guys knew that Jesus had friends? Yeah, Jesus, imagine that Jesus had friends. As crazy as that sounds, do you know how I know? Because when Jesus, when he, when he got lost, when he ran away, he didn't run away, but you know, whatever. When, when he was lost, his parents started looking for him and they went to his friends. So we know that Jesus must have had friends. The other thing we find out, you guys know the story I'm talking about? Jesus, they went to Jerusalem. Jesus started hanging out in the temple. The family left. Jesus stayed. Mary and Joseph started freaking out. They, they were looking, they were running around looking for him. Finally, they went back and they found him. And what happened? He got scolded in public. How many of you have ever been scolded in public by your parents? Jesus, perfect. God becoming man, living perfect, still got scolded. He got yelled at in public by his parents. Notice they were not perfect. I mean, I, I, so, so, so Jesus knows what it's like to get in trouble. I'm telling you this to say that Hebrews 4 says that we don't have a high priest that can't sympathize with you. Even the little things of just growing up, Jesus knows what it's like to go through puberty. You ever thought about that? Luke 2.52 says Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and favor with God and man. That means he had to grow up. At some point, he was probably talking to some of his friends. And his voice probably cracked a little bit. When I was in junior high, someone, we were having the announcements. You guys still have announcements like over the intercom? I don't know why you wouldn't. Maybe you don't. They probably do it like digitally. Like, I don't know. But So I remember this one guy was doing the Pledge of Allegiance. And uh, he was like, I pledge allegiance to the fight. <laughs> and uh, that was awesome. I never saw him again. He transferred schools. Jesus had to deal with that. I don't know what he did. He might not. He's probably going to be president one day. Jesus had to deal with that. Jesus had, Jesus had brothers. Anybody have brothers? Yeah. 
Brothers, great. I love brothers. But sometimes brothers are, 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 are a little difficult to have. I want you to imagine Jesus' brother, he had a couple. One of them, the name was James. Like, I want you to picture a scenario where Jesus and James are hanging out, doing what brothers do. They start wrestling. They start beating each other up. James starts throwing rocks at Jesus. You know, Jesus is like Matrix-style stopping the rock. You know, I don't know. He might have. James is throwing rocks at Jesus. Mary comes in and she's like, James, what are you doing? And he's like, I'm throwing rocks at Jesus. And she's like, stop it. And Jesus is like, it's okay, mom. James, I made this rock. And James is like, Jesus, you're a punk. And then Mary looks at him and she's like, James, have you ever had this? Why can't you be more like your brother, Jesus? I wonder what James said. I would have looked back, Mom, why can't you be more like your son, Jesus? You know, I'm sure, that's, I'm sure that conversation happened. Jesus knows what it's like to be your age. He does. He came as God became man. He lived on planet earth and he's gone through the things that you're going through. So what does that mean? When you're going through difficult times, you can cry out to him and know he understands. Not just because he's the creator, because he's all knowing, because he's eternal. Those probably help him out too. But he actually came and lived it on planet earth. But Jesus, he grew up and I mean, he was pretty awesome when he was on earth. I want you to, let's, let's start to just imagine for a little bit what it was like to hang out with Jesus as one of his disciples. Have you ever thought through what that would have been like? It would have been pretty sweet. I mean, when Jesus, so so we don't get much between the ages of 12 and 30, and uh, which is really strange because like in American culture, that's like the only years that we think matter. And yet Jesus, we don't even hear anything. So maybe that sheds a little light into something. Maybe we don't have everything right, but we don't hear much until he's 30 years old. and, And what happens? The first thing that we really hear is about him getting baptized. And I want you to picture the disciples hanging with Jesus. Imagine yourself as one of the disciples and you're like, Oh, going to go get baptized. John the Baptist, man, that guy's crazy. He wears like camel skin and eats honey-covered locusts. You know, John's like, no, that's actually pretty good. Yeah, I don't know. but So they're getting baptized and they're like, oh, it's Jesus' turn. Let's watch, let's watch. This is good. And Jesus gets baptized and then he comes up and all of a sudden the, the sky cleared. It was, maybe it was a cloudy day and just whoo, clear sky and a bird flies down, lands on his shoulder. And you're like, there's a dove just landed on his shoulder. I never had any dove land on my shoulder when I got baptized. And then all of a sudden you're, you're like, oh, that's cool. That's cool. Bird. That's so nice. And you hear a voice from heaven. This is true. All of a sudden you hear God's voice saying, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. I bet his disciples were like, I mean, they weren't his disciples yet, but if they're hanging out, they're like, dude, he's the man. I mean, I got baptized and everything. It was cool, but. I didn't have no birds flying down, no voices from heaven. That's pretty sweet. So he gets baptized and then he goes up and, uh, and he goes on a 40-day fast. So he doesn't eat for 40 days. And uh, it's kind of like when we did the 40, but instead of not doing Facebook, Jesus didn't eat. And uh, it's a little different. So he was hanging out and, and it says at the end of his 40-day fast, Satan actually came and began to tempt Jesus. So I just imagine people, if they were able to watch this and They're like, man, he's got to be hungry. You know, I mean, 40 days, no food. I haven't gone two days, one day. Okay, I haven't even skipped a meal hardly. He didn't eat for 40 days. Satan comes up to him and he's like, are you hungry? You know, I wonder, maybe you should uh, 
Maybe you should turn these stones into bread. And Peter's like, dude, that's tempting. I skipped breakfast this morning. Dude, I would turn that into an Egg McMuffin right now if I could. And Jesus is like, no. No, I'm not going to do it. I don't live on bread alone. Dude, that was a tough one. Dude, he's the man. Then he, and it says that Satan continues to tempt him. He tempts him with, with being spectacular and, and jumping off and having angels come and catch him. He said, he took him up on a cliff and said, why don't you jump off and have angels come catch you? That's like divine bungee jumping, you know? And they're like, dude, that would be sweet. I mean, people would pay big money to do that. Jesus, you're going to do it? No, didn't do it. He did, then he was tempted with, with authority and, 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 ru, and rule and worship. And I'll give you all these kingdoms. And Jesus says, no, no. He didn't buckle. He, even though he was tempted in every way, he didn't give in. He didn't sin once. So then he comes down and, and, and he starts doing miracles. Now that's when he probably starts picking up some steam. I mean, it's probably pretty cool when God audibly speaks his pleasure over you. Like, that. hey, I like you, dude. That's, I would take that. I, I would, if I was to walk outside right now and God was like, Dan, you're pretty sweet. I'd be like, you too. Oh, yeah. But he starts doing miracles and that's probably when people really started following him. He starts healing people. And there's one guy who had leprosy. If you read in the book of Luke, It says that Jesus laid his hands on him and healed him of his leprosy. Here's why that's a big deal. Because leprosy at the time, they were called the untouchables. People didn't touch them because they didn't want to get leprosy. If you touch them, then, you know, you'd get leprosy. And leprosy is no good. Your skin falls off. Your arm falls off. And you don't want that. So it was just a miracle. And even that Jesus was willing to touch this guy. But then, not only did he touch him, but he healed him. He starts healing people. Uh, he, he, he's hanging out with, uh, at, at Peter's mom's house. And they're having a good time. And all of a sudden they hear people walking on the roof. And, uh, and digging into the roof. Because the roof is probably made out of mud and hay and all sorts of stuff. I mean I want you to imagine right now if we're hanging out. And all of a sudden someone just from on the roof. You just hear like someone take a machete to the roof of the tent. You know and it's like. And you know start peering down. And sticking their head through. I mean that was probably awkward for Jesus. Hey how's it going? You know, and these guys lower their friend who's crippled down in front of Jesus. And Jesus was probably like, man, I was getting to my best point. And then you guys come and interrupt. No, no. What does Jesus do? He heals him. It's pretty sweet. They're like, see, I told you, dude, he's the man. I told you it was worth it to get up on this roof and, and interrupt him to dig a hole and drop. I wonder what the guy was thinking as he's like, everybody's looking at him and he's just being dropped down. He's like, I know, I know. I wonder if he believed, like his friends had great faith, but I wonder if he thought it wasn't going to work. And he's like, sorry, everybody. This will be over in just a minute. I don't know. So he starts healing people. Then, then he starts casting demons out of people. And people were probably freaked out. People were like, okay, listen, man, not only he was healing people, but now like he's casting demons out of people. The demons listen to him and they do what he says. Dude, he's He's pretty awesome. He's, he's the man. And then they're hanging out in a boat. Disciples are watching and they're freaked out because there's a storm. Jesus is taking a nap. I mean, he's in a boat in a storm taking a nap. He doesn't even care. He's not worried about it. He is like, this is a nice rocking motion. Puts me to sleep. His disciples are like, we're going to die. They go wake him up. They're like, Jesus, 
we're going to die. And he's like, hey, man, I was in a good dream. Wind, stop, waves, be still. Okay. I mean, you're like, I wonder if he was, I wonder if he was just tired. Like, I wonder if he was really tired. And maybe that's why he was like, no, this storm is, uh, I'm, wind, waves, done. I, I don't know. It's probably not true. But his disciples were like, oh, my goodness. This dude tells the wind what to do. He tells the wind what to do. He, dude, he's the man. He's, he's pretty sweet. He went through his whole life. Perfect, sinless. He's preaching to thousands of people. Matthew 5, 6, and 7 is the best sermon ever. And he's just, he's speaking and the disciples probably come up and they're like, Jesus, it's pretty awesome that we have so many people here today. Um, but uh, they're getting a little hungry. And, uh, you know, the, the hot dog vendor sold out of hot dogs this morning. There's no more turkey legs. And so I wonder if we could like take a time, take a break, maybe like a half time, an intermission. Let them go into town, go through a drive through and come back. And Jesus is like, well, what do you have to eat? And they're like, no, no I, I don't got nothing. That's what I'm saying. I'm hungry. We need to take a break because I'm hungry. And Jesus is like, hey, bring me some fish and some bread. So they bring it to him. He's like, he prays over it. And he's like, start passing this out. So to 5,000 people, and that's actually just like, just the dudes. There was women and children there too. They pass out the food and they have buckets left over. They started with just five fish and bread, not much. And he's like, just handing it out, fish after fish. I don't know what that looked like. Like, did they hand it? Was the fish cooked? I don't know. But that's, they're like, dude, this guy, he's pretty sweet. I mean, he fed everybody just with one little kid's lunch. That's pretty awesome. Then they're hanging out on a mountain. James and Peter, John. They're looking at Jesus and they're like, man, we're getting kind of tired. We're going to take a little nap. I want you to picture the disciples taking a little nap. And when they wake up, do you know who Jesus is hanging out with? Moses and Elijah. Those dudes are dead. The disciples go hang out with Jesus. They're like, oh, it's been a long day. Fed a lot of people. You know, you you did a lot of miracles. I'm really tired. You know, I'm going to take a little nap. They wake up. Dude, dude, wake up. It's Moses. He's dead. And he's hanging out with Jesus. What's Elijah doing here? This guy is a pretty big deal. I mean, he's pretty, he's pretty legit. So then they go up to him and they're like, hey, Jesus, listen. I'm really glad we're here for this moment. Because we should build altars in remembrance of what is going on here. I'm sure they're trying to be real reverent because dead Elijah is standing right there. And Jesus looks at him, he's like, dude, fellas, don't interrupt me right now. I'm having a meeting. Sorry, Jesus, we'll be over here. You know, (laughs) and says that they got, I mean, Jesus' face changed, his clothes changed. Said the disciples left, they didn't tell anybody. So they went from being like, hey, it's a really good thing that we're here to like, maybe we shouldn't even really be here. Because Jesus is talking to dead prophets. (laughs) They're glowing. I've never glowed like that. He was pretty spectacular in life. But he did even more in his death. He was pretty, 
he was pretty uh, courageous in the way he handled his death. See, he lived perfectly. It's what I read from Hebrews. He was tempted in every way. He understands what you go through, yet he was sinless. So he's hanging out in the garden and he gets arrested. So they're trying to take him in and Peter gets all Peter-like and decides to cut a guy's ear off. Jesus, you would think, would be like, dude, thanks, brother. Well done. Make him pay for this. No, he was like, Peter, you're so Peter. Puts the guy's ear back on. I don't know what that looks like. You know, the movies, he like covers it up. And, he, and the ears, no blood anymore or whatever. I don't know what he did. What if he was like, you know, and just like threw it back on? Like there's all, I, I don't know, maybe another ear grew. I don't know. It doesn't say. It wasn't like he's a magician and he's like, no ear, woo, ear, you know, like. Maybe he just made a new ear. I don't know. But he, he, he handled it perfectly. He stands before Pilate and he doesn't blink. Here he is, sinless. He's never done anything wrong. And he's being arrested and facing a criminal's death. And Pilate looks at him, all cocky. And he's like, don't you know that I have the power to kill you or set you free? And I love Jesus' response. Dude, he probably didn't say dude. He says, you would have no power unless it was given to you from my father. I mean, here's this guy who honestly did have the authority to set Jesus free or to have him crucified. And he's telling him that because he, he doesn't find any fault in Jesus. So he's looking for a way to let him go. And Jesus, he's not even scared. He's like, listen, you got no power. Everything you've got, it's been given to you. So he's beaten. He's beaten with a whip that has glass and metal and rips his flesh. He's carrying his cross to the place where they're going to crucify him. And even then, says that he, in Luke, it says he looked over and saw women crying. And he says, women, don't cry for me. He's hanging on the cross. And the murderer or the thief or whatever he had done next to him looks and says, Jesus, remember me. And even there, he says, I forgive you. You'll hang out with me in paradise today. He looks down at the guys that are mocking him. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. The perfect God becomes man, lives perfectly, and is forced to die a sinner's death. The, 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 the crucifixion, it was, it, was a, uh, it was a Persian form of torture. And the, it was so bad that Romans likely wouldn't even, they wouldn't crucify their own. They wouldn't, if a Roman committed the same type of, they broke the law in the same type of way, they might, they might crucify a Jew, but they wouldn't even do it to the Romans because it, it was so bad. It was the worst form of torture and ultimate killing. Jesus took that on. But it didn't end there. See, Philippians 2, if you're there, says Jesus being found, this is verse 8, being found in the appearance as a man, 
he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on the cross. I love where it says he became obedient because when Jesus was hanging out in the garden of Gethsemane, he was praying before. He said, Father, is there any other way? Is there any other way? Because Jesus knew the kind of torture that he was about to go through. And he said, ultimately though, not my will, but yours be done. So Jesus was obedient in his death. In Philippians 2 verse 9, it didn't end there. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him a name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I love this story. Because it doesn't stop with God becoming man. And it doesn't stop with Jesus just living perfectly. And it doesn't stop with Jesus giving his life. But like we talked about last week, death couldn't hold him. He defeated death. And God rose him up, said he exalted him to the highest place. And today, today, He is seated, enthroned, because he rose again. I want to imagine the disciples when they saw him again. When when he walked through walls. When he sat down and talked to them. It it talks about where the disciples, some of them, a couple of them were walking. and, And Jesus came up and started walking with them. And they didn't even recognize him. They were talking. And and then when he when he left. All of a sudden, their eyes were opened and they were like, wait a minute, that was Jesus. Did not our hearts burn within us as he walked with us and opened the scriptures to us? As they saw him. I mean, that's a pretty exciting moment. Because they had been pretty, when, when they were seeing him do miracles, they were like, dude, this guy is awesome. But you know, when Jesus was arrested and crucified, Every one of them betrayed. Every one of them left him. And how depressed must they have felt. They'd given the last three years of their life thinking that he had come to to be their savior. And here he is crucified on a cross. Because they were thinking in their own mindset. They were thinking in in human terms that it's over. He's he's dying. What do they think when when they see him again? When he's walking on water. When he's talking to them. I bet you when he was ascending, it says that he rose again and he hung out with them. And then he ascended to heaven. He ascended because he couldn't die again. He had already defeated death. Dude, I'm sure they're like, don't go. I mean, when Jesus is like float, I don't know how the ascension worked. I would have been grabbing his feet. About a hundred feet up. I'd be like, now what? You know, that was dumb of me. I don't know how they, but they saw Jesus. And he was the man. One of my, he, he, see, Jesus came and lived and he died, but he rose again. And I want you to know tonight that we serve Jesus who's alive. One of my favorite stories, I, uh, 
I got the opportunity a couple years ago to go on a trip to China. And uh, we, were on, we were doing a missions trip there. And I went and we, we flew into Hong Kong. And then we drove in like a 10-hour, tiny little, I don't even know, van with like 20 people stacked on top of each other. And on, like these roads were freaky. And uh, they were like one, one lane roads up Pikes Peak, you know, with people driving like it was the Autobahn. I mean, it was, it was pretty terrifying. So I'm in the middle of China somewhere. I, I really don't know where I was. It's a small village. And, uh, and we got out and I remember people just staring at me for being so huge. And it was probably because I was so tall. And uh, I met our interpreter because I didn't speak Chinese. And uh, he, he was a guy, we called him Monkey. And uh, the reason was because he had grown up as a Buddhist monk. And for, his, for the first 12 years of his life, 14 years of his life, he had, he had studied Buddhism and and when we were in this small village, it was, it was a village where there was a temple and they were training young boys to be Buddhist monks. So there was about 400 of them that were in their orange robes and studying and they did all their stuff. And, and we would go and we would we'd kind of prayer walk there, that area and watch them and interact with them. And, and this guy, Monkey, see, we called him Monkey because he had been a monk. It was very creative. And... Uh, He'd grown up as a Buddhist monk, and in his teenage years, he explained it that some big red-headed American came over and told him about Jesus. And he gave his life to Jesus, and he was now serving the Lord. And he was operating as our translator as we tried to interact with the people and tell them about a living God who was real, who loved them. And uh, we, were, we were actually at the temple. It was crazy. Like the way they do things, uh, they have like prayer wheels. And, uh, and so they like spin it and that counts as a prayer. And so they ha- there's like flags and they put up flags. And every time that the flag blows the, or the wind blows the flag, it, it counts as a prayer. So they don't actually have to say a prayer. Just, the flag does it for them. And so th- there's this mountain range that's just covered in, in these flags. It looks like silly string. I'm serious. And, uh, and we were there and we were walking around the temple and we were prayer walking. I don't know if you've ever done that, but we were just walking. We were asking God to move, asking God to, to show himself. And, but I wanted our team to be really, have good etiquette. I was like, listen, we already stand out because we're a bunch of white boys. And so, uh, so try not to draw a lot of attention to yourself. You know, let's walk through this temple. Let's let's and let's pray, but but don't tr- don't try to draw attention. Don't do anything that would cause them to. Because if, if they caught us, you know, they'd they'd ask us to leave, and we didn't want to do that. And so I'm in there, and uh, and all of a sudden, I hear somebody screaming and like banging. There's this giant prayer wheel that is about 20 feet tall and probably about 15 feet in circumference, and this person is just banging on this prayer wheel and spinning it. And I was like, who is doing that? I was like, this is going to get us kicked out. We don't want that. That's no good. 
And I'll never forget, I went over and there was monkey banging on this prayer wheel. (laughs) Hello? Is anybody in there? I don't think so. Ugh. It was awesome. Because here was a man who had discovered the living God. Here was someone who had been entrenched in all of the religion and all of the ideology. But he encountered Jesus, the living God, who was alive. And he knew that as I speak with him, he is a God that is alive. These other gods, they aren't alive. And he from firsthand experience, hello! Is anybody in there? I don't think so. Friends, I want to let you know today that Jesus did, that God became man and lived perfectly and died. But he didn't stay dead. He's alive today. We serve a living God. But why did he do all of that? That's the question. What was the point? When we read the Bible, why Why did Jesus go through all of that? Was it because he needed more worship? No, I don't think so. Because if you look at it, Jesus already had angels worshiping him. There was plenty of worship going on. Maybe maybe he wanted some experience. No, he's God. It's all the experience you need. Maybe he wanted more uh, authority. No, he had it. He made it. He created it. And actually, if all he wanted was authority, remember back when, when, the, when Satan was tempting him and said, hey, you can have all the kingdoms of the earth, he probably would have taken it. He would have been like, oh, that's why I came. That's not why he came. Hebrews 4 says we have a high priest who is able to sympathize with us. He, he was one of us and tempted in every way, yet he was without sin. See, Jesus came. Because he wanted relationship with you. I know we hear that all the time. That's not a religion. It's a relationship. Let's make a bumper sticker. But it's true, friends. The heart of the gospel is that we serve a God who loves you. We serve a God who wants interaction and relationship with you. And why did you need it? Because in the beginning, when man sinned, It created separation between mankind and God. And there was distance. And the very thing that God wanted, relationship was broken. Romans 3, verse 22 through 24 says, Righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to uh, to all who believe. Verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, but we are justified freely through Jesus. I know I'm just, I'm just telling you the story that you've heard before tonight. We've heard this so many times, but I want you to know that we serve a God who can sympathize with your weaknesses. He knows what you're going through. 
And the reason that God became man, humbled himself, the reason that Jesus was willing to do that, to step out of the all-powerful, all-consuming, become a servant, was because he wanted to have a relationship with you. And every one of us have that opportunity. Romans 5, 6. And you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous man, though for a good man someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we we be saved through him? We've been justified because of what Jesus did. It's because of him becoming man, living perfect and dying for us. That's the reason that we're justified. Every one of us. I mean, the Bible says it, Romans, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But if you don't want to just believe it because the Bible says it, I want you to think of your own life. Because I know that for me, I've failed. And I know that each one of us can think back to moments in our life where we've sinned, where we've fallen, where we've failed. But, as, but Jesus came to atone for that, to be the sacrifice so that we can have eternity with the Father, so we can have eternity with Jesus. Go ahead and stand. I'd like to, band, if you guys want to come up. I want to celebrate this tonight. This is a big deal. When we talk about Jesus being awesome, there is nothing more awesome than the gospel story. I mean, we can talk all we want about his power. We can talk all we want about how he's able to do miracles. But there is nothing more amazing, more awesome than the fact that we have been justified through him. Romans 10, if all we do is confess with our lips and believe. If you believe and you're willing to say, Jesus, you're my Lord. You're everything for me. Then we can be justified. We can have right relationship with God, eternal life, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. Those things are available to you. It's a pretty awesome story. And it's a gift that none of us deserve. But that wasn't the point. It wasn't that we deserved it. It was that Jesus freely gave himself. And over time, this doesn't look as attractive as it once did. Because you're fixing your eyes on the things of the kingdom. I'm just talking about a thousand that have a vision for their heart. They've got passion for God. They're leading intercession on their schools. They're set apart, consecrated under God. And they've got a vision and a mission for their life.